Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant's Stick to Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Tamanini, and on Stick to Sports, we talk about Ohio State athletics, but more often than not, we avoid the X's and O's of the individual sports and dive into what is going on around the periphery of the game, as well as whatever else is keeping us occupied and entertained in between. As always, I am joined by the Land Grant West Coast Bureau Chief, Jamie Urich. Jamie, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy the game eve as we are recording here early on friday we're going to talk about vibes and i feel like you and i have very different vibes coming into this game are you normally a nervous fan well you know i'm a very superstitious fan um i i would say i'm not usually a a nervous fan particularly where the OSU Michigan game is concerned, I typically go in feeling very confident. And then if the Buckeyes lose, I have my heart broken. Um, But I'm nervous this year. Like more so than normal nerves? Like, is this like an especially nervous year? I have felt nervous about this game since the season started. Um, I think... which is interesting because while the Buckeyes quarterback situation isn't like Kyle McCord is not going to win the Heisman though. He has certainly found a way to get the job done and has been a very steady force for the Buckeyes. Like he's not, he's just not like a Justin Fields, you know, like he, this is not, this is not the thing that's going to win the game for us. Um, he just, but he doesn't need to either. So I feel like that was the first thing was like, I was like, I don't feel good that we have a quarterback who can't throw and run in the same way that we've had in the past. But this year we do have a defense who can stop pretty much anything. So um, I don't know. I've, I felt really nervous about it and I still feel nervous though. I have a lot more confidence in Kyle McCord than I did at the beginning of the season. I certainly have more confidence in the defense than I've had the last two seasons. And I realistically don't think that even though this Michigan defense is also stellar, that they can shut down both Trevan Henderson and Marv. And still, I don't know if it's like self-preservation. I still am nervous. And I think that this, sign stealing scandal. I think what my fear now is, is that punishing Harbaugh has fired Michigan up to the point that like now they're just going to come on the field like a natural disaster. To me, this is the downside of this game is how much things could go Michigan's way if they win. Like, well, I guess not only that, but like how everything bad, you know, we've seen this in college football all the time, including for Ohio State, where like everything feels like it's coming down against you. That's where the phrase Ohio versus the world comes from. And then Michigan has tried to co-opt it. Like sometimes when your backs are against the wall, even when you are the favorite, which Michigan still is the the betting favorite here, you just feel like you, you're a caged animal and like you come out swinging and it, it ends up being better for you. So, like, I certainly understand that. Their their head coach has been suspended for the second time this season. Everybody is saying um, that there are going to be NCAA sanctions coming in the spring at some point. Many people are assuming that the success that they've had over the past two years was at least in part due to cheating. 
and people are questioning their quarterback, which I think is for legitimate reason, that it might be one of those things where everything is against them. So it actually brings them closer together and actually actually makes them more focused on the field. I think we saw something similar, not the same, but similar happen in 2014 when JT Barrett, who was you know the quarterback all season, goes down, Cardale Jones comes in, and because of the you know, the tough situation you're fighting for a a college, the you know, the first college football playoff berth. And then they come out and just beat the living shit out of Wisconsin. Um, like, I think one of those things where it feels like the deck is stacked against you. And even though I think Ohio State was still favored to win that game, the way they won is what catapulted them into the playoffs. So I could see something like that happening. I'm not picking that to happen. But I do see where there's a possibility for this to backfire on the Buckeyes and like, maybe Ohio state would prefer to be the underdog and nobody think they have a shot. And that might actually be better for their chances to beat the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I think, and like, to be fair too, I, I thought I didn't really start to get nervous about the sanctions until the Penn state game, the Michigan Penn state game, when it looked like Michigan was just kind of like start, you know, like tearing seats out of the stadium. Like that was the, there was just like an an edge to the whole vibe. Um, but then they didn't have that in their game against Maryland. And like, perhaps they didn't need to because, or they didn't think that they needed to because it was Maryland, but some of that edge was gone. So, but I don't think that edge is ever gone in an OSU game at baseline. And so then we've just like added to that. And that scares me a little bit, but I also do think that like on in reality, I think OSU is the better team this year. Um, which I didn't always feel throughout the season. I I felt for a lot of the season that this OSU team was kind of over overrated or n- not overrated because they're a great football team, but overrated in that they, like, are they the number one team? Though no, is kind of how I felt. And now I'm feeling like they actually weren't overrated. They everyone else was seeing things that I wasn't seeing, and so. But I do feel like I'm in self preservation mode for this game. What does that mean, self-preservation mode for you? Is it just that like you're trying not to get your hopes up for a win? Or are you doing anything else to actively protect your heart? Are you, I, I don't know, I'm assuming you're going to plan to watch, but like, are you avoiding media consumption? Are you avoiding social media conversations about the game? What are you doing to make sure that you aren't setting yourself up for a heartbreak as much as humanly possible? I I'm mentally preparing for what will happen if OSU loses. And I think that's, that's where it is. Like I keep saying in all my predictions and things like that, like, Oh, I think Michigan will win the game this year. And I think, I don't actually think that they will, but I think I keep saying it so that when it happens, it doesn't feel as disappointing. What is that worst case situation if Michigan oh. wins, like what is the worst part of a third straight win in the rivalry for the bad guys? The high state will have not won since 2019. What is the worst part of that for you? I what's like, I mean, what is redeeming about that? There's nothing. It's terrible. It's like, no, it's all, it's all a, a, a continuum of what's the worst. Like everything about it is bad, but what is the worst bad thing about it? I think that this is a season I've said this before. 
and this includes Ohio State, right? Like this is a season where there is not a single team that's infallible. Um, I don't think this Georgia team is unbeatable. I don't think Michigan or Ohio State are unbeatable. I don't really think any team in the top 10 is unbeatable. Um, And that has not really been the case in previous seasons. Like there have been years where Alabama just like, just hand it to them. We already know they're going to win Clemson. We already know they're going to win Georgia. We already know that they're going to win. Like we're going to play the games and everyone's going to be embarrassed about it afterward because they're just like, so obviously a league above everybody else. That is not the case this season. And so I think that what will drive me the most crazy is if we lose this game and lose a playoff spot and then have to watch, like, God forbid, Michigan, like, win a national championship and never shuts up about it, knowing that that could have been ours. So your concern is more about, like, what it means for this season. For this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, the Michigan fans are going to be insufferable regardless. If we win, they're going to be insufferable. They're going to sit there and say, oh, you only won because we didn't have our coach or you only won because of this, because that's who Michigan fans are. So like that happens win or lose. Where I start to get antsy about it is like if now if you've ruined our playoff chances in a year where we could very realistically win a title, now I'm angry. Especially if you've done it and by cheating. For me, this is much more a conversation about the existential crisis that would come if Ohio State lost for the third year in a row. Because what that would mean is that now that we know that they were at least attempting to cheat in the previous two years, how much that had an impact on the game, who knows? But then we would know that, I mean, presuming they're not cheating some other way now, but like they didn't cheat to win this game. There is really no excuse at this point uh, to to say that they aren't the best program in the Big Ten, which is a position Ohio State has not been in in two decades. Um, and then it throws the entire Ohio State football program into a tailspin because then you have to legitimately start asking the question. And I know a lot of people have already been asking this question, but like on an actual institutional level, you have to ask the question if Ryan day is the guy, because while I don't think Gene Smith, especially as he is getting ready to retire is going to fire Ryan day. If he loses to, to Michigan going into 2024, if Ryan day has lost three games in a row against his rival, if he loses again next year for the fourth year in a row, I do think he's gone. So I think that that puts this entire the entire future of the program in question, because then if he does get fired in 2024, who do you bring in in 2025? They have to rebuild their entire coaching staff. They probably take a step back in terms of recruiting, at least to a certain degree. Then the entire future of the program is up in doubt because of such a monumental change that could be sprung from Two games where Michigan was cheating and one game where they win presumably straight up. And then, you know, the next decade of the program could be irreparably damaged. So I, I, to me, it's much more about what it could do for the long-term health and viability of Ohio State as a championship level team, both in the conference and in the country. 
And that's where I get nervous. Now, that being said, I, I don't think that the game's going to be all that close. Like, I think it'll be close, but not like, I don't think it'll be a nail biter. So like, I'm not super worried about that, but if Ohio state were to lose the worst case scenario for me is the fact that it could potentially destroy the two decades worth of gains that Ohio state put together following the John Cooper era. That's fair. I think, I don't think Ryan day's job is in danger. And so, I mean, I think it could be in like a season or two, but I don't think it's in danger this season. So I haven't really thought about those like longer implications um, because yeah, like certainly if OSU loses, that would maybe be a thing that starts those conversations, but those conversations would have to be ongoing and he would have another chance to fix it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, he, like I said, he's not getting fired this year, but, uh, you know, you lose four. I think that there will be a lot of people actually in the program, not just on social media, ushering him towards the door. Yeah. All right. So let's take a real quick break. And when we come back, we're going to turn things to the positive side of the conversation. Now that we have gotten all of our negative juju out of our system. All right, welcome back to Stick to Sports, your Ohio State podcast from the Land Grant Sports Network, where we kind of talk about everything other than what is actually happening on the field. Jamie, in our first segment, we talk about the negative side of what could potentially happen in the game on Saturday. But let's talk about the positives. If Ohio State does pull off the road upset, what is the biggest thing that comes out of that? Obviously, it will be a big the, the final Big Ten East title. It'll be a birth in the Big Ten championship game. And presumably because Iowa is a horrific excuse for a football team, a Big Ten title and a spot in the college football playoff. Beyond those things, which are assumed for uh, either team, if they win, what do you think the biggest benefit for Ohio State getting it, the monkey off of its back with a win over the Har boys on Saturday? I think there are a couple, actually. I think that it, one, it silences any doubters, like myself included, who have ever questioned whether this team is the real deal. I think that's the exact kind of thing that really fires them up going into the playoffs. Um, but I also think on a kind of more nitty gritty level, depending how Saturday goes, if it goes really well for the Buckeyes, that probably means that it went really well for Marvin Harrison Jr. And we could be one step closer to a Buckeye Heisman winner. Yeah. Earlier this week in this podcast feed, I spoke to the athletic NFL draft analyst, Nick Bumgarner, who used to be the Michigan beat writer for a number of publications, including the athletic. And even though he's not technically supposed to admit this publicly because he is a Heisman trophy voter, he has Marv at the top of his list. So you and I talked about it over in the fans for sports network, college football feeds, fame and fortune and everything that goes with the podcast that came out earlier in the week. But like, because of how many quarterbacks there are, they could kind of split the votes to the point where Marv might not get very many first place votes, but he could get a lot of second place votes. 
And that could catapult him into a win, which I think would be fascinating. So if he goes out and has three touchdowns or something against Michigan on Saturday, Jamie, I think you're right. Like, I think there's a legitimate opportunity for him to pull this off. Now, I'm not putting any, you know, money on that, like for him to actually do it. But it's possible. It is certainly possible. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a a really wonderful uh, perk of the Buckeyes winning. Like if that if we can make that outcome happen, I would love that. I would love that for the Buckeyes. I would love it for Marv. Yeah, because what a God, like I look, there are things that if you know about his father that are questionable and I'm not saying any more because I value my life. So I was a little hesitant with some of the the Marv stuff coming in. But like when you hear him talk in interviews and in media sessions and in postgame, the, the guy just seems to have his head on his shoulders, right? He just seems to like get it into whether maybe it's a smokescreen and he's really just this cocky entitled Nepo baby. Who knows? But I don't think that's the case. Like I think he just seems like the best player in college football who also is pretty down to earth and doesn't take himself and his talents more seriously than he should. He puts the work in. He is always grinding. He is always on that Monarch machine after practice, working on catching balls. And he just seems like a nice dude. So like, I would love that for him. I would love it for Ohio state. I would love it for non quarterbacks, you know, just in general, because that is primarily a quarterback uh, award. So I would be very, very happy to see, not only a Buckeye win it, but a non-quarterback Buckeye as well, which would be, you know, the first time for Ohio State since 1995 when Eddie George won. A thousand percent. And like the non-quarterback piece is a huge piece of it because as people who have been following Land Grant for a while know, my biggest complaint last year was that there was no um, Blake Corm inclusion and he's a Michigan player, but I think it's really important to recognize our non quarterback players. And so um, I would love for it to be Marv. For me, the biggest thing about a potential Ohio state win is what it does for Ryan day. I've been on record for multiple years now that I have my issues with Ryan day. I don't think he should be calling plays. I said it at this point, two years ago. But I'm also on record saying that, like, I think he's the guy. Like, I think he's the right guy for this program. I think he he is different enough from Urban Meyer to keep the program moving in the right direction. But I also recognize that being a first time head coach at one of the preeminent football powerhouses in the college in college football, that he's had some growing pains. But I think that this is something where he can get out of his own head by winning this game, giving him a legitimate reason to say that the last two losses either either didn't happen or were not his fault. He did what he was supposed to do. And we can move on from some of these things that have happened. After the loss last year, Jamie, I wrote an article for Land Grant, Holy Land, that the headline, if I'm, I think I'm quoting verbatim, is Ryan Day fucked around and found out because he wanted to prove that he was tough. I think if we we see him win this game on Saturday that we can put all of that bullshit with um you know talking about whether or not Ohio State is a tough team whether or not Ryan Day was born on third base um Lou Holtz calling him out like i think we can put all of that behind him you win this game go to the college football playoff and i think in that situation 
it is clear that Ohio State and, and, and Georgia are the two best teams. So go and try to have a, a, you know, a, a better outcome than you had last year. I think that is huge, not only for the head coach, but also for the program to have that be something that you can actually legitimately put behind you. Because if they lose, like I said earlier, that's when you start to get into some of the existential doubts about the future of, his, uh, of Ryan Day as the program's head coach and what that could mean long term. Yeah, I think that that's really fair. I think this is kind of the one thing that Ryan Day needed to do. Like he he needs a Michigan win. He needs a, a big marquee Michigan victory and this is the year to do it if you're going to if you're going to do it, do it now. Um so yeah, I I think that's a a great point as far as like the the long-term implications of this game. All right, Jamie, um, over on No Fall Weddings, a podcast that comes out from the Fans for Sports Network College football feed, uh, it comes out on Saturday, so it, it hasn't come out yet. But you did make a prediction for what you think is going to happen on this game. My prediction will come out in this feed on the Tailgate podcast that comes out early on Saturday morning. But do you want to share your your official prediction here on the actual Land Grant Podcast Network? Sure thing. Yeah, I said Buckeyes by eight. Um, I will not be predicting whether that's like eight, uh, to nothing or 15 to seven or 36 to 28, but I picked Buckeyes by eight. All right. So let's wrap up this episode as we do every episode of stick to sports by giving people a recommendation of something non college football related. Um, what do you have, Jamie? I know you are seeing a lot of, uh, movies over this holiday week. So what is something, whether it's a movie or, or something else, that you are going to recommend? Um, I highly, highly recommend that everyone check out Cheryl Lee Ralph's Christmas album. It is now the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time for the Holly Jolly music. And I'm giving a music recommendation this week. Um it is delightfully unhinged and wonderful. Um, and so if you need some holiday listening, check out the album Slay, S-L-E-I-G-A by Cheryl Lee Ralph. And like, I think a lot of people know her from Abbott Elementary, won an Emmy, but like she's a longtime Broadway vet and has just kind of been doing her thing on stages and screens for many, many years. And I'm so ecstatic that she has kind of had this late career resurgence uh, because of Abbott Elementary to kind of make her, honestly, the, the, the type of star that she always should have been. Thousand percent. Yeah, she's so extremely talented and... um you know, by all accounts is like a really lovely person to work with and interact with. And so it's just, it's really nice to see people who put in the time and worked hard for decades to like get their time to shine. I'm going to stick with the holiday theme here, Jamie, but I'm going to go outside of the actual like entertainment world. This is something that you and I talked about uh, off mic a little bit, but for the last few years, my family has decided, you know what? Thanksgiving's kind of overrated. One, the food is not all that exciting. Although my sister begs to differ. She hates this uh, because she loves all the sides, but we've just kind of stopped doing Thanksgiving in its normal form. 
we aren't doing a turkey. We don't do the stuffing. We don't do the green bean casserole. We don't do all of that. My sister will make whatever sides she wants. But because we live in Orlando, instead, what we do is we go to downtown Disney, now called Disney Springs, but it's still downtown Disney for all of us old folks. And we go to Earl of Sandwich. Earl of Sandwich is great anytime, but they have like a special Thanksgiving sandwich that my mom always gets or no, that my dad always gets. My mom gets something that I think is called the American, which I think it also has turkey and cranberry sauce, but not as many of the other things that the Thanksgiving thing does. My sister had the Cuban. I have meatballs. Uh, my nephew got the uh, the mac and cheese. So like. If doing all of that work, those multiple days of prep and cooking and baking for like a 30 to 45 minute meal just seems ridiculous. I am recommending. In fact, I'm giving you permission to say I'm not doing it. Like if you love that, do it like go for it. I'm not saying you you, you don't you shouldn't do it. But if it's something that just feels like a lot of buildup for something that doesn't deliver for you anymore. You don't have to. You can do something else. Start a new tradition. There are restaurants open on Thanksgiving, whether you live you know, near a theme park or not. So if you think Thanksgiving is a little overhyped and you feel you have felt obligated to like make a bunch of food that you don't actually like or maybe you do love it, and, but it's kind of ridiculous that it's gone in 30 minutes, don't do it. It's totally fine. I'm very happy to never have a huge Thanksgiving meal again because it's in my opinion, just not worth the hassle, Jamie. I absolutely disagree, but I know that there are mm-hmm. others who agree with you. And so I think that the beauty of the holidays is that you should do what you want to do. Yeah. And it's so funny that like, look, neither of us are parents. Um, but like, I know that like people feel like they have to give their kids these traditions that everybody else grows up with. No, you don't make your own traditions. Like if somebody else in your family loves cooking Thanksgiving, go to their house instead. If you don't like doing it, don't do it. Like they're not going to care. Like maybe if you're, if you celebrate Christmas, but you're like, you know what? We're not going to do a tree and presents. Like, okay, maybe that's something that you have to do for the kids. But like in terms of the food, in terms of that stuff, like it's okay. You don't have to do what makes you happy. Follow your bliss, find joy in whatever it is that you do, but you don't have to make, you know, sweet potatoes just because everybody expects you to. I know, Jamie, your sweet potatoes are amazing, I'm sure. But in general, you don't have to. It's totally fine. Well, yeah. And also, like, if you're making sweet potatoes and they're not the same as mine, then they're definitely not. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to share my recipe with whoever wants it. They're knockoff Boston Market sweet potatoes. And they taste, it's more of a dessert. Okay. They have an oatmeal cookie crumble on top and they are worth it. All right, that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Stick to Sports Podcast. If you are finding this episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you enjoy kind of our random approach to college football coverage, leave us a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media at LandGrant33. You can follow me at Matt, and You can follow Jamie and ask for her sweet potato recipe at Jamie Urich, J-A-M-I-J-U-R-I-C-H. All right, that's all that we have. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.